Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Welcome to Exploring Missions, and we're thankful that you could listen today on this weekend, and we pray that God is blessing you. And uh, we're on location as we uh, take this interview. We're in Asheville, North Carolina, as my producer beside me says, and my boss, beautiful Asheville, uh, North Carolina, and at the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center. We're here with Fusion, Heart Cry for Revival, and we have our guest today, Dr. Malachi O'Brien. Michael, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of the program today. Well, we are. It's good to have you, somebody that ha- brings the energy that I, I kind of try to bring to it, so this <laughs> on both sides of the microphones, it's going to be great, but Tell us a little bit about who, who Michael O'Brien is. Well, um, short story is this, is that um, I'm an, I'm an, my primary calling from the Lord is an intercessor first, and uh, a revivalist second, and then I'm a, a pastor and a voice third. I'm, a, I'm a, a husband of almost 15 years and a dad of four kids, and just excited to be a part of what God's doing across the nation. I serve as second vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and, uh, and serve with other, you know, with One Cry and Life Action, but again, my primary uh, calling is to, to be a man of prayer and then just to try to believe that God is going to send the next great spiritual awakening and try to call the church, uh, many denominations, many locations to that great need and that great hope, which is revivals are need and revivals are only hopes. That's who I am. Amen. Well, with fusion, heart cry for revival, no wonder you're here. This is a prayer meeting. Really, it's a giant prayer meeting, three day long, because every session we have is bathed in prayer. Prayers are part of it, and it really makes what we're doing. We know that every great revival, every great awakening started with prayer. Absolutely, and the the unique thing about this conference, this is not like any other conference. This is not a church growth conference. This is not a um, necessarily a motivational conference. This is a conference where we are confronted with our need of need of the Lord and His Spirit and the prayer times. I wish those that are listening right now could actually join us, the spirit of the room where people are drawn on their knees, weeping before the Lord, crying out for him to do an extraordinary work in our day. We read about the stories, but I think we're tired of reading about them and hearing about them. We want to be a part of them. Well, we're finding out because of the people who are connected here, God's doing a great work in the world. It's kind of what God likes to do. He kind of likes to do his greatest works in the least likely of places with the least likely people. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know, <laughs> that, what better example can we have? Well, let's talk about America a little bit. And uh, I know some significant things has happened in Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Come, I know northern Indiana. God Absolutely. has done some great works. So there's pockets of the breakout of the Holy Spirit all over the United States. Absolutely. Well, I'll just start run through a, a litany of the things that God is doing. Uh, for example, um, in Austin, Texas, there is a, a movement of God called Unceasing Austin, where uh, the city was in, in, a, in, a, in a deep drought several years ago. They were praying for a miracle. The pastors got together in the city one night to cry out, and I'm kind of giving the short story a couple 
think thousand plus people were there. The next night there was a deluge. God answered with a miracle. Somebody must have brought their umbrella. Somebody must have brought their <laughs> umbrella. And from that time, these pastors have continued to get together. And now they have where each church takes a day of the month to cry out for revival, for prayer, for spiritual awakening, for God to work in their city, for God to work in their church. And there's just an unbelievable movement of God in Austin, Texas, 24-7 prayer by each church taking a day. And when they call a prayer meeting, there could be hundreds, even a thousand people at any given time gathering in that city. Not just in Austin is God working with unceasing Austin, but in Kansas City, there's been 24-7 night and day prayer and worship for the last 17 years and various prayer movements and pockets of the city. And we call call village fires all across the city people gathered for prayer um in kansas, city. in kansas city okay austin kansas city kansas city uh even in uh just a different example go all the way up to, to denver colorado there is a movement up there there's a there's a, a youth evangelism movement called dare to share one of the largest student evangelism ministries in america and they just believe that prayer is the key to reaching the next generation uh so they have uh They've created an event called Dare to Share Live on September 23rd where they're trying to get 50,000 teenagers in, on one day in 50 different locations to, share, to be trained and equipped through a simulcast to share the gospel. So they're praying for 300,000 gospel conversations. Now, what they know is that can't be done without the power of prayer. Amen. So we have created a prayer force. We call it the Dare to Share Live Prayer Force and gather in thousands of people to join that prayer army to call out for God to awaken the next generation. So uh, Denver, Kansas City, Austin, Texas, Little Rock, Arkansas, pastors gathering together for prayer on a regular basis. Bill Eliff, who is here at our conference right. right now, helps lead that charge. The same thing is happening in Hot Springs, Arkansas. People are gathered to pr- for prayer in that area in different denominations. God is awakening. That's different denominations. Different denominations. God. Amen. I, do you agree with me that that's one of the keys? I don't think God's just going to use one group of people, a denomination. They would they would get the glory that way. That's you, right. You catch what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, you know? and so, and, and, and denominations coming together under the banner that our, our greatest need is revival, our greatest need is a movement of the Holy Spirit. That's what unites us. We can we can disagree on little things, but our great need is what unites us under the banner of the cross. And so uh, I think we will not see revival unless there's a John 17 unity. But here's the good news, Bert. Here's the good news. John 17 unity, the prayer of Jesus, is being answered in our day. We are a part of the answered prayer of Jesus Christ. And so it excites me. They're coming together. That's what I'm hearing at this conference. God is working. God is bringing mm-hmm. it together. And you and I both, you're a second Vice President, Southern Baptist Convention. So we're connected with what we call the mission board here, mm-hmm. North American Mission Board. And they identified cities that we desperately need to reach. Southern Baptist, as a denomination, has, has reached out in the suburbs and the county and the country. But by and large, the cities have been, the inner city especially, have been uh, neglected in that. And they've identified these cities and, and if you read Acts 1-8, it says, start in Jerusalem. Now, I know it. most folks interpret that, start where you live. But if you could say it, start in the main city of the area, it, it brings on a new meaning, doesn't it? Absolutely. Start in the cities where people, the, the influential pockets of, of, of marketplace and arts and government and technology and media, because from that place, people get sent forth and, and called out. So, you know, yes, in, in, the, in Southern Baptist Convention, we've identified several what we call send 
cities. Not send, S-I-N, but send, S-E-N-D. S-E-N-D, yes, send cities that we are just praying for a massive church planting movement and a move of God there. But we know that uh, a good strategy and a good program is not enough. Even with great personalities, not enough. We know that apart from the extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit, what we're hoping for will not happen unless we cry out and cry up. So we're believing God for work in major cities across America. Uh, we realize we can't do it alone as Southern Baptists. There are, Bert, you're going to get intrigued by this. This is a fun fact. There are more Southern Baptist churches in America than there are Subways and McDonald's combined. You're kidding. There are more. There's a McDonald's on every corner <laughs> every of Malachi. Corner. <laughs> you go in some places, I feel like there's a Southern Baptist church in every corner. But we know that, well, if you look how those 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 businesses, those entities of, of such influential uh, in, in cities, Starbucks, there's not even a third of the amount of Starbucks that are churches, right. but yet they've influenced the culture. It's time for the church to rise up and to, and to touch our cities and to, and to get out of the auditorium, to get out of the sanctuary, to get out and just be the church and to unite together with fellow believers with the one hope and the one cry that we need, the extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit in our day in revival and spiritual awakening. And, and the good news is, but from what I can see, the prayer movement is rising like never before. And God is bringing the prayer movement and the mission movement together in a, in a, in a, for a catalytic fire, catalytic fuel. I hear that word quite a bit. Yes. Catalytic. It does mean something moving mm-hmm. and, and friction being mm-hmm. occurring and, mm-hmm. and bringing forth that it responds kind of like a ripple in a pond when you throw a rock in it it's going to it's going to affect others isn't it absolutely well you, you look at the book of acts when uh when god moved in, in, in the in the city there was a uh, an extraordinary there was a uh, extraordinary movement in prayer uh and, and there was a whole lot of shaking in prayer and there was then the city was shaken through the power of the holy spirit because there was a, a group of people shaken by the power of prayer and so and, and the cool thing is now because of we've got you know technology we've got radio we've got podcasts we've got uh, social media now anybody can touch the world through the power of social media, through the power of, of, the, of their own cell phone. Worldwide. Worldwide. Amen. Matter of fact, uh, this program, because of Internet, you know, it goes to other places rather than just the radio in your car or in your home. It, it goes everywhere. So God's at work. Are we to use that means uh, to, to carry out the gospel? Absolutely. You know, if you study the history of revival, every great awakening has come on the heels of a great technological shift. So the 1857-58 prayer revival had come on the shift of the, of the newspaper boom. And so we absolutely are to use every means necessary to, get the, to advance the gospel, to accelerate and to amplify the great commission through the great commandment. And it's that great commandment, that loving Jesus with everything, that draws us back to the prayer closet, that draws us back to seek his face. So we must make much of Jesus. Yeah, make much of him on Twitter, Facebook, (laughs) Instagram, Snapchat, you name it. Make much of him everywhere. Malachi, thank you for being with us. Hey, thank you so much. God bless you, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. With prayer and revival uh, being a part of what we desperately need in America, we want to look at how Paul went about it. He was on missionary trips, but what he would do is what Jesus would do is he went through. He would add to his group uh, as he went. Jesus would call his disciples, and they would follow him. Uh, Paul used that same format in the missionary journeys that he was on, and in chapter 16, Nathan, we see him adding a very important individual 
to uh, his entourage as they traveled and throughout Asia Minor, and they would later go all the way into Europe, of course. And so what we want to do with talking about today is, is how God used prayer, but also how God uses younger men uh, in the ministry. At the Heart Cry Conference, many of the speakers were older, which is typically true because of, of their experience, their abilities, but also there were several younger uh, young men that were there, pastors, and one of them was Malachi O'Brien, who we've heard in the interview today. And, and I thought, praise the Lord that God doesn't just use the older ones. He uses the younger ones too. Matter of fact, the apostles probably, they were in their 20s. Yeah. Uh, some of them thinks John may have been in his late teens. Right. And so uh, because look how long he lived. I mean, quite a long right, life. That's right. And so uh, God uses that, and Paul is always on the lookout. And he comes to chapter 16, and he comes to Derby and Lystra area, and he meets a certain disciple there whose name was Timothy. And uh, he sees these qualities in Timothy, and they join together. And matter of fact, Paul would say, this is my son in the faith. Yes. Uh, they, they had a father-son relationship. And so this is, he carried on, and Timothy would do a vital part. And the last letter that Paul wrote was to Timothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember taking it at Blue Mountain College. Dr. James Travis, my Bible professor in New Testament, said this is Paul's last will and testament, talking about Second yeah. Timothy, and because of all the things it said. But there's a verse in in Second Timothy, and I want you to, you know, let share it with us today. That really talks about what we're we're seeing here with Paul getting right with God, going to Arabia for three years under Barnabas's tutelage early yeah. on at mm-hmm. Antioch, but now he's sharing it with the next generation, isn't he? That's right. It's a, it's a model of, of ministry, really it's discipleship, um, where one person who has gotten to a certain point in their life spiritually, um, they take on you could say an apprentice, if you will, someone who they can mentor and disciple, and uh, they teach them what they are learning, and they model for them. They live their life with them and in front of that person um, to bring that person along. Um, and then so that, that disciple, discipleship or disciple-making chain then can continue through that, that new, younger person. And so Paul, you know, he didn't come up with this model. Um, but he lays it out real nice for us in Second Timothy. He, I don't mean to say that he perfected it pretty, pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I mean you he, know? he. It was honestly, it, it's 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 been around. It, it's 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 a model that's been around for a long time. Right. I mean, ever since there was a parent and a child, you have this <laughs> sort of relationship. Um, but Jesus showed the apostles; he did this for them. And he expected them, he equipped them to do it with others. And so Paul's in line with that. And Paul himself, you know, he picked it up even as a, um, as a Jewish scholar. Um, this was done for him by, was it Gamaliel? Gamaliel, right? yeah. yeah. And then I would say also Barnabas. And then, yes, yeah. and I was just, just— Going to think about that. I was yeah. just reading in Acts 
11. Let me read this to you to see where Paul, this happened in Paul's life yeah. as, a, as a new follower of Jesus. Um, maybe someone who was discouraged even, sitting on the sideline possibly, not active in, in this mission. And it says in Acts 11, uh, verse 22, then the report about them, them being the new Gentile believers in Antioch. Okay, So then the report about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with the firm resolve of the heart. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. We're talking about Barnabas here. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So this was done for Paul in his life as Barnabas would model what following Jesus looks like. Um, for Paul, he would teach Paul. He would actually teach alongside Paul and give Paul the opportunities to, to grow as a leader. When I see that, Nathan, I think that Barnabas the mentor mentor and and training Paul and then the transition would be made when Paul would become even greater than his teacher. It makes me think of even in the psalm you were talking about how old this model is. David, I forgot which psalms, probably Psalm one nineteen talking about the word the word of God has made me wiser than all my teachers. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now you keep a, uh, uh, Paul had the humility of that, but yet he would even, and I hate to compare, but surpass what he was taught, yeah. and he would go further. But he was, he was, uh, he always had someone following him and him training them. That's that's the way it ought to be. That's the way it's designed to be. Jesus Himself told His disciples. Uh, you will do greater things than I. You, I don't know where you got it, but you're the first one that I saw do this uh, when we were on staff together. It was just put yourself in the middle surrounded by four guys or four people. If it's guys, it's guys. If it's women, it's women. You have one that's going before you. That's the mentor. You have two on either side of you. That's your two accountability partners. And you have one, at least one behind you, that's the person that you're mentoring yourself. Yeah. So when you do that and you put yourself in the center of those four, accountability, the example before you, and you being the example of the one who is following you, Paul really demonstrated yeah, that. that's right. He did. He, um, he demonstrated. He actually then would write about it, and we can learn from it. So in 2 Timothy, uh, you can look in chapter 2, verse 2. Actually, let's read verse 1 and 2. He says, he's writing to Timothy. He says, you therefore, my child, just pick up that relationship, still father-son type relationship spiritually between Paul and Timothy. You therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So in verse 2, you see, like verse 1 is specifically about Paul and Timothy, Paul encouraging Timothy to follow Jesus. Uh, but in verse 2, he lays out this model, this plan 
of disciple making, of mentoring, of really it's multiplication is what it really is. So you see Paul, okay, you could say Paul is like first generation, okay? And then you have, he says, what you have heard from me. So you being Timothy, Timothy's the second generation, okay? So Paul, first generation, Timothy, second generation, commit to faithful men. Faithful men would be third generation that Timothy is then leading and discipling and teaching. And those faithful men then will be able to teach others also. There's the fourth generation. Um, You see four generations here. and Somebody might say, wait, what about the many witnesses that Paul mentioned? So the many witnesses, um, it's not a bad thing. Paul and Timothy, Paul, Timothy was not the only person Paul dealt with and talked with and, and led and discipled. Um, in fact, somebody has counted up all the names mentioned in the Bible that are associated with Paul. Guess, just guess a number. What, what would you think? 20. 72. <laughs> 72 individuals named in the Bible that Paul was discipling. And that's, that's just the ones that were mentioned. So Timothy's not the only one. I do believe Timothy had a real special relationship with Paul. Um, But the point here is that there were others, many witnesses is what it said here in verse 2, that Paul was dealing with. Now here's here's what I encourage when when I'm talking with pastors or leaders. I encourage them to kind of reset their model, reset their mind on a, a new paradigm, really. It's a paradigm shift. Many times... Pastors, leaders go, you know, they get training, they go to seminary, they think in terms of, of crowds, large numbers, gatherings of people. And it might not be really large, it might be 20, 50, 100, 200, whatever. Um, it doesn't matter the number. The point is, is Jesus had the same kind of deal. He, he had many crowds a lot of times that would follow him around or multitudes that would show up in a place to hear him teach and see him do miracles. But where did Jesus spend most of his time? Did he spend most of his time with the large crowds, with the many witnesses? Or did he spend most of his time with that small group? He was always looking for the opportunity to get away from the crowd so he could pour in to those men. I I remember, again, a professor saying they were on a three-year camp out. Yeah. You know, and and what is one of the most intimate ways men— I mean, real yeah. men to bonding to bond together yeah. is camping together yeah. outside. That doesn't happen very much for no. some of us. <laughs> but Jesus used that model. Foxes have holes, you know. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yeah. I mean, he was camping out a lot of the times under yeah. the stars, and a lot of a lot of a lot of that was transferred. I'd think Paul, on his journeys like that, uh, that was true with him. I think a lot of stuff was learned around the campfires. I'm sure. And so Paul was saying, hey, what you've learned from me. So in other words, um, the point is, don't be distracted by the crowds that you neglect discipleship of the few. Okay. Um, True discipleship doesn't happen from a pulpit. It happens, like you said, around a campfire or around a table or sitting, you know, next to each other uh, in, in some in close proximity. Well, let's, let's go over this, what Jesus would do. He would speak to the crowds, and he would give illustrations. We call them parables. He would make application, some a little, and uh, he would explain the scriptures. 
and then it seems after it was over, he'd have a Q&A with a 12. Yeah, a debrief. You know, later. <clears throat> so you can do both. If you're the pastor, yes, preach to the the large group. That's right. And dive into the Word. Don't let it be an excuse for it not to be strong from the Word of God. But then there should be some time when you're meeting with a group, yes. a small group, where that Q&A, uh, discipleship making, because that's basically what Jesus would do. They'd ask him a questions, and Jesus said, do you not know? Did you not understand? That's right. And, and then they would do it on mission. They would have a project, and don't, don't do away with projects in in missions of feeding the 5,000, yeah. Paul, uh, you know, the washing the feet. Don't miss the opportunity. We call I called them projects. Nathan, I should have said the opportunities to yeah. minister. Right. And so the um, you see in 2 Timothy 2, 2, this, this picture of a disciple-making chain or multiplication of, of leaders, and it doesn't have to be only the pastor. Um, it doesn't even have to start with the pastor. It can be a man or a woman or anyone, look around for someone that God has given you a heart for. Um, I mean, when Paul went to Derby and Lystra uh, in Acts 16, in verse 3 it says, Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. <laughs> who, who do you want to go with you? Who do you want to teach and mentor and lead? And, and God has given you that person uh, to disciple. And so disciple them, but disciple them in such a way that they can disciple others. And then those others can then turn around and disciple more. And you have what you have there is, is four generations of disciple making, which and, is really the birth of a movement of what God amen. is doing. And it starts with the notice again, Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2, the grace. Be yes. strong in the grace. And it also the things that you have heard from me. What Paul was saying was the word of God. Yeah. Make much of the word of God, no matter what you do. I remember going to a pulpit and preaching and supplying, and the pastor left me a note on the pulpit. It didn't say get through on time. It didn't say, you know, watch out for so-and-so. It says make much of Jesus. And honestly, that's really what we do. We we make more of Jesus than we could ever dream or think yeah. in what we did. So here is Paul, his last letter. He's writing it to Timothy. You, therefore, my child or my son, be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is close to the end of Paul's life. Timothy has come to some pretty mature, you know, individual. Yeah. He's helped start churches. He's trained leaders in the church. He's pastoring. Pastoring. And he says, be strong in the grace. Nathan, you never... You never get too strong or too powerful to not understand it's no. still grace, That's isn't right. it? Any strength that we have that we possess, it is the grace of, of Jesus. And this is gifts, grace gifts. He has, he's given it to us that we could use them. And we're, we're saying that to you. Uh, try to find ways of ministering to those that are coming behind you. There's a song, Nathan, that goes, May those who come behind us find us faithful. I, is there anything, I mean, the grace of God in faithfulness, regardless of everything else, they've got to be seen as well. Not only do you teach them from the word, but you teach them by example. 
This is Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio. We're asking you to find that person that God brings into your path and let them follow you as you follow Christ. Christ.